Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Liam and I'm here with my co-host George. Hello music fans! Each episode of Flawless, a host or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless and we discuss how they discovered it, what they love about it and what makes it flawless for them. We have a Facebook group, it's called Flawless Friends and Family and it's where we discuss all things music that we love and that you love and we post in there about upcoming episodes and what albums are nominated. You can find the link in our show notes, except that this time I didn't. You didn't, Liam. I'm super slack, and I've been crazy busy these last few weeks. So I'll it's, let you it's off, you are crazy busy, yes. so that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the people want what the people want. Yes. We can only assume that this is what they want, even though they never respond in the group. <laughs> One day that group will be a thriving hive of activity. Uh, and, of course, being a podcast, we have a Patreon. You can back us from as little as $1 a month, and you get early access to our episodes, access to our bonus episodes, and that warm, fuzzy feeling inside that you're helping us spread the flawless love. You can find that at patreon.com slash flawlessamp. Huzzah! Huzzah. Housekeeping. Done. Tick. Out of the way. Housekeeping. 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 Do you have a turn down service yeah. as well? You leave a mint on my pillow. I have a do not disturb sign on the door, but puppy keeps coming in for some reason. It's insane. <laughs> uh, even though I introed the episode, I'm not nominating an album. We do have a guest. We do have... Guests. Guests, plural. Plural. Uh, would you like to introduce yourselves? I'm Jared from August River Band. And I'm Josh from August River Band. Multiple guests from one band. Yeah. So what do you Tell do me. in said band? Well, uh, I'm the guy who keeps time. I'm the bass player. We're the, we're the rhythm section. Rhythm section? Nice. Oh, do, do you notice that in your episodes, we had the rhythm section last time too. Yeah, we yeah. Did. You know why? Because we carry the load. Yeah. Yeah. You do, absolutely. For the hard workers. Because the, well. the lead singer's like, I'm not appearing in some podcast. I'm too good for that. <laughs> We're more fun as well. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so, yeah. lovely, lovely to be here. And we've just released an EP awesome. um, called Media. And so that, that was lots of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've done that over the last six months. And uh, we did a show last Friday, the zoo. We did. Which was fun. Oh, nice. We did. And uh, so we'll just look at uh, getting that around and touring and playing a few concerts and yeah. festivals. It'll be cool. Fantastic. So where can people find out more and follow you and learn what, or what stuff you do? Uh, social media is a good one. So on our Facebook, it's August River Band and same on Instagram. There nice. are big two. And then, yeah, yep. Spotify, Apple Music. Yeah. We're everywhere. So your Instagram, is it very selfie heavy? No, no. It's it's pretty structured, our Instagram. We've got some guys that look after it for us and they do an amazing job. It's oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. We're hopeless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't do it well, but yes, <laughs> it, it, it looks very good, I think, I cool. think in my opinion. Nice. I'm a bit biased. Check that out. <laughs> Would you like to let us know what album you're nominating today? Um, today I've nominated Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You can't possibly have ever heard of before, and um, brought it to Flawless. So there we go. Cool. So tell us how you discovered the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, well, on the radio, maybe. My um, no, uh, they're not hard to find. My dad bought me a, an iPod when I was about. Oh, it was an MP3 player actually. When I was about ten, and he had this big CD collection. And this was back when you couldn't just buy something on iTunes. You had to download yeah. all your CDs. Mm-hmm. So. I didn't own any CDs because I was a 10-year-old, so he gave me all of his and it was all Green Day, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nirvana. Cool dad. And nice. one of the albums on there was not Blood Sugar, it was Stadium Arcadium and I fell in love with the Red Hot Chili Peppers so that for Christmas that year I got a, a JB Hi-Fi gift card mm-hmm. and I went to JB Hi-Fi and I bought Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Nice. That was my first CD that nice I ever choice. bought. So Aww. Stadium Arcadium, which one was that? What in order? Like was that was number seven. Number seven. So okay, there yeah. was one in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, one seven or eight. Okay. Seven or eight. I think it was not one hundred percent sure. Two thousand and six. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so must this be one, eight or nine. Because yeah, 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 yeah. That must be one. So this one's yeah. fifth. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is the fifth, fifth studio album. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Cool. So you went out. You got blood. So blood sugar sex magic. Yeah. Put it on. Had you heard it before then? Or you were just like, this is their big well, one everyone knows? I'd probably heard a couple of the songs. Like, 
heard it under the bridge on the radio. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's always been mm-hmm. yeah. It's like a the trip. original <laughs> or the many many covers. Yeah. The original, <laughs> the original. Like, but yeah, I feel I feel like that's obviously the like the tentpole song of mm-hmm. the album, but doesn't actually fall into the same category as most of the rest of the album. Yeah, no, which is yeah, a really cool. We'll get thing. to it, but there's nothing else on the album that sounds like it. Yeah, there's all, like other is... slow songs, but like yeah. that's obviously like the the key difference mm-hmm. to some of the other stuff that's on the album, which is pretty yeah. cool. So, and so you obviously then keep following because you are wearing a red hot chili peppers shirt yeah, right now. Yeah. So you've continued following them. <laughs> yeah. I've seen them twice. Saw them in, uh, 2018 at Boondle when that was with Josh Klinghoffer on guitar instead of John Frusciante. Mm-hmm. And then I saw them in February of this year at Suncorp. Right. With John Frusciante. And John's back on. Yeah. John's back in the band. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which we'll talk about a bit more in a minute as well. Yeah. Had you, had you, I know you'd heard of Red Hot Chili Peppers. What's your general well, approach I was to Red Hot Chili Peppers? I was doing covers shows back then, so I think we were playing, you know, a couple of the tunes. <laughs> yeah. And, um, that was a bit of a red hot time for me around that early 90s, you know, it was lots of fun. So, mm-hmm. um, look, I, the thing that I loved about these guys was that they were instantly recognisable, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. I, that, that for me is a big, big thing, you know, and, and it's just high energy. It was just good fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Cool. So then what made you pick, so you've obviously followed all their other albums. Mm-hmm. Would you say any other ones are flawless? What made you pick this album that you think is, is the flawless one? Well, I think one thing with the Red Hot Chili Peppers is they put out, they, they don't cull as many songs out of their albums than they probably should. Mm-hmm. They... They're, they're big fans of putting out as many songs as they can. Like with Stadium Arcadium, that was a double album, 28 songs on it. Yeah. A lot of their other songs. Oh my are... gosh, that's like more than A Night of the Opera. Exactly, yes. exactly. <laughs> it's And they had they had Mars and Jupiter on Stadium Arcadium 2 CD pack. And yeah. then like a lot of the other albums, they're like 16, the same with Bud Sugar. It's all 16, 17 track yeah. albums. But I feel like Blood Sugar is the only one that... Like, because it was obviously in a similar era to their fourth studio album, Mother's Milk, which they did with a different producer. But then I feel like Blood Sugar is like a good meld of the new stuff that was to come with like By The Way and Californication. Um, but then going back to the old stuff of the self-titled album and like Uplift Mofo Party. like, mm-hmm. And it's like a good meld instead of doing like what they did on Mother's Milk, which is like more like new metal kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And it's like the, it's like the, the direction they were going to go plus back to their roots which i think is really cool mm. awesome george hello well bypass have you heard of red hot chili peppers <laughs> and go straight to what's your involvement with overall with red hot chili peppers and My involvement? have you seen them live oh i thought you were in inferring yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> look they've got they've, they've gotten around to enough people that yeah yeah they spread the seed yeah. um, but i was not a recipient yeah. um i have seen them live probably a couple of times in the 90s at festivals so big mm. stages um headlining um with like bands like you know, Queens of Stone Age and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, yeah sorry, I saw them. I couldn't um, remember which ones in particular. So it would be Reading or Leeds or Glastonbury or V or whatever. I don't know. I've seen them a couple of times. And I know all the singles from this. And I've danced to at least three of them in rock clubs underage as... <laughs> underage rock clubs. Underage rock. So I started clubbing when I was thirteen. Um and passed as an eighteen year old and gradually got older and older. At one point I had to graduate uni um and lie to all my friends and I still hadn't finished high school. So it was a different time, people. They didn't check your ID like they They do now. Um so I like I knew all the singles and um a bunch of my friends have this album. It came out in night one. So I knew, I was by 94, 95, I had MTV. So mm-hmm. obviously they're all over it. Yeah. And um, then with um, like stood around half naked and stuff like that, yeah. they made an icon of themselves. Um, so I've heard the album all the way through millions of times this was the first time i did a deep dive yeah 
So you had heard the album before? I had heard the album. Okay. It's been on in the background, like, whilst I've been at house parties and, mm-hmm. like, like, hanging out, usually with broody guys of some yeah. description <laughs> who were trying to get into my pants. Yeah. Um, and they'd be like, hey, have you heard this? And I'm like, oh, this again. <laughs> um, so, oh, no, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed. Um, yeah. Like, I'm like, uh, so, um, and we'll get to the references for all the jazz musicians, but if they'd have brought out a Miles Davis album, I'd be in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, they brought this out. It was a steady stalwart. Um, so um, yes, I've had the album before. Awesome. So Liam, you've heard the band. I have heard the band. Had you heard the album, the singles, seen them? I, I knew all the singles. I I half saw them when they played a big day out, like 15, 16 years ago, like a long time ago, back when Big Day Out was still a thing, and when I still went to it. So I don't remember actually staying. And they must have seen them a bit sort of walking past and going to other things. They didn't stick around, but I remember seeing them play a little bit here and there, but that's about it. Flea is one energetic fucker. They're all, yeah, they're all super energetic. Yes. Flea especially, definitely. But yes, they're all like, they're, and like you said, they're iconic. They're visually like, they want your attention. They're not just like, oh, we can't, we've, we've talked about bands that are like super introverted and like, oh, you know, we love making music, but we don't love performing it, but we kind of know we have to. So we go through the motions of performing it. Whereas these guys are like, we just want everybody looking at us all <laughs> the time. Everyone feast your eyes on us. We are here and we are here to grab you. 100%. There is one notable artist, I would say, who has upped them since before they were around. And that is Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. So Iggy Pop Live, even in his octogenarian years, <laughs> um, like puts on more of a performance than any of the metal bands of the 90s. Yeah. So, but I knew, so I knew all the singles definitely all over the radio, etc. But I didn't, I hadn't heard the album. I have heard, I think I heard Californication. I think... A friend of mine got that when he when it came out. I knew the singles from that, and he said, "Oh, you can listen to this." And I don't, I don't know what I thought of it at the time, but mm. yeah, I definitely had not heard this all the way through. But they are—you could play any of their songs yes. and go, "Oh, yeah. that's where I talk Jimmy Peppers." Mm-hmm. Yeah. As soon as you yeah, hear it, no absolutely. matter what it starts with, where it's bass, yeah. drums, or guitar, it's yeah. like, "Oh, yeah, chill yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, so it was released on September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one, by Warner Brothers Records. It was produced by Rick Rubin. Uh, like you said, their previous album, Mother's Milk, sort of, um, they use a bit more heavy metal guitarists and stuff like that. And this one was a bit less of that, a bit more yep. melodic. Um, yeah, Spin Magazine charted at number 58, the top 90s, top 90 album of the 90s. Uh, Pause and Play, number 11, best albums of 1991. Yeah, lots of, well, really well critically received and then also really well critically, like over time. It hasn't been one of the ones where there people like, oh, we, we overrated that at the time and people still really yeah. love it. And one of other records are like a behemoth of record labels, which have so many yes. But they have people like Black Sabbath and Van Halen, but they also have people like Devo, Kylie, and Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so they'll go, where is the money? Yeah. Warner, Warner your... Brothers don't have a studio style. But no. yeah. <laughs> if you'll make the money, they'll sign you. Yeah, which is why Beyonce was partnered with them. Also, Joni Mitchell. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. And uh, Chili Peppers. Yeah. Did you want to take us through the lineup of the band at the time when this album came out? So the band at this time, this was the second album that they'd done with John Frusciante on guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, this is also, I think this is the third album they did with Chad Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, obviously Flea on bass, Anthony Kiedis on vocals, mm-hmm. um, which have been the only two original members to stay in the band the whole time yeah. to this date. Well, actually, Anthony Kiedis got kicked out yes. in the 80s, but... They let him back in. Mm-hmm. They didn't do anything while he was gone. But... And then Chad Smith has stayed in the band since yeah. this, that's when he joined. He so Chad Smith's well. been in the band ever since. John's yeah. left twice. He yeah. left right after this album and then didn't come back until um, was it Californication. Did he was, come back? Yeah. What, oh, whichever one came out in 97. So 97. might have been the one before. The California was like 99, I think. Yeah, it was by the way, 97. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So this came out in 91. He left the band straight after. Um, didn't like fame did not, was like, we're yep. going to be superstars. And he's like, I don't want to be a superstar. Um, obviously, had a big thing of drug use as well. And obviously, that probably played into it a little bit. But They, they the, all did. The, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, the big thing for him was like, I don't want to be a, a stadium rocking world beater. Mm. Um, he so, picked the wrong band. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think he just wanted to play guitar and do some fun stuff with his friends yeah. and, they, and it turned into a bigger thing. Well, so he, he, he was a fan of the Red Hot yeah. Chili Peppers. If, mm-hmm. if you read Anthony Kiedis's book, he goes through like, all of it is like they found an 18 year old like John Frusciante just like at the front of the mosh pit and he just mm-hmm. knew all the guitar parts. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, cool, you can play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's um, 
Australian band UMI, Davey Lane, who joined them. So they were a three-piece up until a point and then they joined and he joined. And he was, yeah, they were all in their mid-30s and he was 21. Mm. And he just loved them his entire life and knew all the guitar parts. And then when they auditioned people, he's like, yeah, I can literally play all of Tim's guitar parts for you and do all this stuff. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, so he left... They, and they were record, They were recording quite prolifically. This was five, lab number five. And then Dave Navarro joined. And then they, they only released one album in the six years that he was in the band. It was like three years later. Yeah. I think that is underutilizing Navarro. Yeah, yeah. So I... Dave Navarro is great, but I don't, I don't think of him as a Red Hot Chili Peppers guitarist. It's mm-hmm. like Jane's Addiction is one of the, like an amazing band. Yeah. But I don't think Navarro is a Chili Pepper guitarist. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like, like that whole, that whole album... I think, oh, you could definitely say that it's their least popular album. That mm-hmm. they, my favorite song of that album is actually a solo song that Flea did by himself called P, and it's oh, just nice. bass and vocals. Oh, and that's nice. probably that sounds awesome. That's probably my favorite song on that album. But yeah. like, well, hands up, I play bass. So do I. Yes. Uh, so, we could be friends. Yeah. So um, like, we'll be talking about Flea. Amazing. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so yeah so then Frashanti over that time had gotten worse with drugs and then cleaned himself up and then by 1997 he was like completely clean and they were talking to him and they were like did you want to come back and he was mm. like that's the most amazing thing and I absolutely want it's the most thing I wanted the most in the world so he was back in the band from there and then I guess Dave Navarro was gone but it was like yeah I was like oh we've got a new band member but we're only going to record one album with him and then by the time we two albums later we're just going to have the same guy back again oh. they must still be friends though because I know straight after Dave Navarro left the Chili Peppers Jane's Addiction got back together again mm-hmm. but Flea toured with them on bass yeah yeah so yeah, absolutely. That would have made it must have been a, a bad breakup. Yeah, so <laughs> I said before, Rick Rubin was the producer. Brendan O'Brien did some engineering and mixing, who's a pretty well-known guy, and he also played a few instruments on the album as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also uh, Gus Van Sant, noted indie direct, film director, darling, was the art direction of the album, yeah. which I found... I And, like, it said that, and then literally no other mention of what he actually did on the album or what he was just like, no, I need, that's, like, pictures. the most interesting thing about the album. I need more information, but it never happened. Fair uh, enough. And so, um, as an artist, um, for the Billboard, they, um, like, alternative chart... They have had the most number one singles of all alternative bands with 15 and they have had the most cumulative weeks at number one with 91 weeks to date at number one on the alternative charts. Um, And they've had six Grammys, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they've also got a Hollywood star. Yeah, wow, nice. So they've obviously they're done big. something. They've done, they've done okay. Yeah. yeah, they've made a name for themselves. Yeah. Which is why we all laugh when we're like, have we heard of this band? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we have. Mm. What, what I found one of the interesting things in, in doing some research on this was that they released singles from September 91 all the way through till February 1993. Mm. Yeah. That's getting good value out of it. Yeah, yeah. Out of an album. Oh, yeah. Um, I reckon Warner Brothers probably... Had definitely a thing, yeah, because yeah. I reckon they got a story of breaking a girl, and they were like, Ah, if you have to laugh, might as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might as well throw it out there. And, and also, potentially, because like, there's that three year gap before the next album, so maybe yeah. Warner Brothers, like, we need to keep plugging stuff out there so mm. you guys have got new material. The cash cow, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's, it's probably there. Well, uh, Rick Rubin's probably got something to do with it as well. It's like they've got a big producer on it, like, this yeah. is someone like. He, he, he did pretty much every artist of like the 90s. You name a big artist yeah, from the yeah. 80s and the mm-hmm. 90s, like he did the Beastie Boys, like yeah. he did Jay DMC. Run DMC. He Public ended Enemy, up doing Jay Z, like, cult. you know. Mm-hmm. He did them all. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, you get someone good. Well, they were four albums in, so they were like throw the heavyweights. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do you know where it was recorded? Yes, the mansion. The mansion. Rick, the mansion. Rick Rubin's mansion. Yeah, but do you know where it came from originally? Oh, it was Houdini's mansion. Houdini's mansion. Oh, it nice. was also the mansion where the Beatles dropped a lot of LSD. 
Right. Where didn't they drop those? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. could say that about like, you know, 45 crossroads. So yeah, exactly. There. Um, but the band lived in the mansion whilst they were recording, mm-hmm. except for Chad Smith, because he was like, nah, mate, it's haunted. So right. he lived down the road yeah. and he came in to record, but the rest of the band lived together in the mansion. There's a documentary about it. Have you seen the documentary? No. no. So it's on YouTube. It's called Funky Monks. Mm-hmm. And it's all, <laughs> it's black and yeah. white. Um, and it's like, it's like, uh, them recording in the house and they're doing like backing vocals in cupboards and like, they've each got like a bedroom each and they're like, wake up in the morning and they're like, Oh, I wrote a new song last night. Yeah. And it's got like, that's what you do if you just had a big mansion. You'd like, can I get an audio out of this bathroom? Can I get a hook out of this? Yeah, exactly. We covered an artist recently who put her head in a cardboard box. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah totally. I who it was, but... Uh, uh, broadcast. Was broadcast, yeah. yeah. Put her head in a cardboard box to record. There you go. Yeah. That's how introverted she was. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, with one of our albums, the violinist was in the toilet. Yeah, yeah, no, beautiful reverb, the toilets yeah. and stuff. Yeah, beautiful right. reverb, but also it's a private place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should really not be recording that sort of thing. <laughs> How long did it take to record? Oh, it would have been. I think. I think they. Oh, I think they like months. Or? I think there was like a three months. Yeah, it was a while. Um, the al- we need to note as well that the album is roughly 74 minutes long. Yes. Yeah. So, which I think back then was like the maximum length of a CD, like 74, 75 minutes. Yeah. was like the maximum length you could put an album out on a single so CD. Like, so, as you say, they create so much. We've got it all. Like... We'll fit it in. That's why two albums later they did it in... Oh, three albums later they did it on two CDs. Two CDs, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, One I've CD got Radiohead's okay, computer on vinyl and it is on four. Yeah. Oh, on four yeah. vinyl. So, Thanks yeah, for that. Crazy. You know, yeah. I have to turn it over every three songs. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to tell us about some of your favourite songs on the album? What are, what are some of the ones that really grab you? We can do the singles or some of the other tracks. Well, so... We obviously have, the big... Can we start with the opening track? Please? We can, yeah. Just because I think it's a really impactful way to open an album. Yeah. Um, so, like, and I've never deep-dived it before. So, the power of equality. Power of equality. So when I'm imagining you have got your JB Hi-Fi um, and you've exchanged it for this album, you've come home, you've put it on, and this is the first track that you get to listen to like on the al- as an album track. So what was it like for you to listen to The Power of Equality? Well, so I just started playing bass at this time. And it was pretty cool to flick on a CD and it starts with that big drum and bass intro nice. straight away. Nice. And it's like, and then like, it's being like, because well, the first of their albums I listened to was Stadium and it was, it's a lot more in line with their more modern stuff, like by the way in Californication, but this was kind of like my first exposure to like OG Red Hot Chili Peppers, like mm-hmm. Uplift and mm-hmm. the self-titled albums. And it was just like, this is probably like the first time I'd ever listen to like funk music yeah. or like in quotation marks mm. or like funk <laughs> you know and it's yeah. like you listen to that straight away and it's like oh wow mm-hmm. you know and um, so from a political standpoint I'm going to say it was woke yeah yeah, um, yeah I put like it it's... in inverted commas but I'm yeah. going to own it now I'm going to say <laughs> like you know um, it is a woke political call to arms and it have that kind of punk rock feel you yeah. know it's about... one of those things where it's like it shouldn't be woke because it's literally just equality that, that shouldn't uh, no. it's not it's not asking for much equality seems like a pretty straightforward thing to be asking Correct. for but you hear someone ask for it and you think whoa there's like a way less progressive person because they're asking for equality alright that's yeah. <laughs> like, it's a weird feeling I'm going to stand yeah. in your way guys yeah. like I don't agree with yeah. equality yeah. But, but unfortunately people don't um, but yeah there was a great um, bit of rhyming mm-hmm. and I was like yep I like that one so um, I wrote that one down yeah. and I thought I'd share it with the group um, but uh, yeah but the, that's I think Anthony Kiedis loves his really short rhyming couples and groups. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like really long, stressed out lines that maybe rhyme at the end. He just 
because he's like he's doing those little flick vocals the way he does for a lot of the songs some of them he doesn't but yeah which means you yeah you really want to hit that rhyming note beat of, like really quickly so i think it's really cool and yeah and he goes between singing speaking mm-hmm. pseudo rapping yeah and like staccato and he does a whole mixture of like vocal styles um to go with his like poetry books that he mm-hmm. keeps um, and he shares it with the group, doesn't he? Mm. Like, in, like he'll be like, I've written all these things, and then they'll come together and okay. like, collaborate on which bits they use and what they're going to write. Yeah, to I, didn't, I didn't look up how he actually put all this stuff together, but yeah, that's cool. They, was, they talk about it in the in the documentary. Yeah. It's like Anthony Kiedis has his book and he just gives it to John, and then John goes right. and puts music <laughs> to all of these poems that he's got, mm-hmm. and then and then everyone else like adds in. It's yeah. like, oh, that's a really cool collaborative way. Mm. It's like. John will like go and hide in his room and they there's like it's he gets to put his like full two cents in before yeah. someone else has input so he gets to get his whole idea out and then mm. everyone else is like cool here's my idea yeah but it's like you get to hear these like this is I feel like on on Mother's Milk he was a bit stifled with the way that um he was writing guitar lines and stuff like that for it but then this is just full Fushante. it's yeah. just like these are all John's licks yeah. you know it's so cool and he has a guitar solo on this one which is just one note he has yeah there's a few like there's all the way through it there's a few guitar solos but none of them are like big massive wailing wanky ones like they're just real short sharp yeah usually what we call them solos they're still woven into the the feel of it like it's not him standing out on the front of the stage going look at me and this thing i'm gonna do and everyone else shut up while i do this thing like it's just sort of woven into it it's not that kind of person though no that's right and then When he does do that stuff, it's not just all about him. It's all like an interactive experience with Flea and Chad mm-hmm. as well. It's like, yeah, there's no, I don't think you could like have a, a Red Hot Chili Peppers guitar solo that wasn't also featuring the drums and the bass yeah. at the same time. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not even, you, you could, you wouldn't even call it a guitar solo. It's like an instrumental breakdown. Or yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a solo. Yeah. Like we think like of that. it as a solo because that's what traditionally it's called when it's like yeah. a different melody off the rest of the song. But yeah, it's not a solo as in he's doing it on himself. Yeah. If they're such an interactive band, it's like, mm. um, like Flea's got a lot of jazz influences because yeah. his stepdad was a jazz trumpet player and he okay, obviously cool. he played trumpet as a kid as well. And like you yeah. can, oh. you can hear a lot of that. So he this could have been a ska band. Is yeah. That what yeah, it could have been ska so <laughs> easily. Dangerously close. To well, ska. some of the early stuff is like verging on that. Yeah. Ska genre that's a lot more of that. But well, like, there's reggae in here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, they just needed a horn section and for Shanda to just like grip the neck of the guitar a little tighter well, and yeah. it would have been a scar band go listen to Uplift Mofo Party and that's got a three piece horn section on it yeah. and that's just like you could almost call that scar yeah. <laughs> Fair. Nice. Um, there's a reference to Flea in If You Have To Ask which is that fifth single that they threw in in 93 mm. um, which is such a weird choice like I know they were stretching for like five singles but this is so such a weird choice for a single yeah that jazzy muted guitar spoken vocals mm. the smooth slow sexy bass funky drums the high harmony vocals solo with the whammy bar there's random applause yeah. um, <laughs> and he sings and I'm like yeah funky ass yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is. So yeah. yeah. Any other songs that you yeah you really want to jump onto and have a chat about? Um, well, I think like the the ones that everyone knows are obviously under the bridge, mm-hmm. give it away, um, suck my kiss. They're like probably like the big three, and um, uh, I could have lied is probably another really big one off that album. Yeah, Break, breaking, that, breaking the girl. breaking the girl. Yeah. yeah. See, I obviously this this album's a lot before my time. Um, I was not even on the planet when it came out. Um, so Stop I, it. I, yeah. I, I guess <laughs> I didn't, better. I didn't get to have that cultural impact that the album had on the world or mm. like, I didn't get to hear it on MTV for the first time. It's like, I, 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 I don't know which songs were popular in 1991. You know, it's like, uh, under the... you weren't exposed to it. Like, yeah, yeah. I had MTV in the radio, so mm. under the bridge was on. Yeah. And there was a under the bridge was four piece girl one. band in the UK called the All Saints that did a cover of it. <laughs> and I was like, why are they doing a cover? This is literally about doing heroin under, under a, a bridge. bridge. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, the lowest um, point in his life. The lowest point of his life, thinking he's going to die, and these four pretty girls are just like walking around in camo shorts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Under the bridge. In an R and B fashion, it was most mm. peculiar. Well, like 
I guess we're talking about that song now. So yeah, like, yeah. I think that's in the top five most recognizable guitar intros to a song of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's probably I'm just tearing it right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you, you can't you think about that song and you, like you don't instantly think about any other parts of that song. You think of the guitar like the guitar intro first. It's mm-hmm. like that's the thing you think under the bridge. You think do 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 do. It's like um, that straight away. Yeah, for the record. That song hit me so much when I was like listening to it. When I started learning the guitar when I was 10, yep. I was learning to play that song on the mm. guitar. Because mm. I was like, when, yep. well, actually when I was 12, when I got my first electric guitar. Yeah. Um, and I was learning how to play it. Cause, and so like that song sticks in my memory quite a lot. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. yeah. So, um, it yeah, originally it wasn't even going to be a song. Like Keatus just sort of wrote a bit of a poem and it was like well before they'd started recording the album and it, there was like this, you know, really dark thoughts and his lowest point of his life. And then Rick Rubin actually stumbled across it in the album notes that, that I don't know, I guess lying around and was like, hey, this is actually really good. You should show it to the rest of the band. And then they came up, like you said, they they took it away and came up with the, the mm. music that went behind it and then brought it back and turned it into this really huge thing. It's... And Rubin must have brought in that choir of kids to sing. It's it's Gail Frusciante, so it, I'm assuming that's John Frusciante's wife. It's his wife oh, and friends. Yeah, and friends, mm. yeah. yeah. They do it in the documentary and they get them all like around one microphone and they're all like singing up into the air. Nice. And they're all oh. just like crowded around it. It's so cool. That's sweet. Yeah. yeah. It makes an impact on the song because mm. it sounds like the angels are coming to get him. It does. Yeah. And the, the one thing that I like about this song as well as like a lot of the other songs on the album is they're all in, balls to the wall yeah. from the start. And it's like, this song starts with guitar, vocals comes in, mm-hmm. gets to the like the second half of the first verse or the second verse, whatever you want to call it. Bass plays one note, it goes, plays an E and it's like, <laughs> and then the drums come in. And, yeah. and then the bass still doesn't come in until yeah. they get to the chorus. And it's like, all like the, the orchestration of it, just layering it up. It's like, they don't really do that on any other songs. Mm-hmm. It's like, they do the one by one. And it has a massive impact. Yeah. And then like the, the way that they... It's got so many different sections to it as well. It's like it's got the intro, mm. it's got the verses, the chorus, and then you have the full massive like bridge at the end of the song. Yeah, with the choir and everything. It's crazy. It's yeah. like it's almost like Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses, where yeah. it's got like the big different like sections in it, you know? Yeah. That are all separately um, like as eventful as the other one. Mm. I think it's like it's quite admirable that he's like obviously very, he's exposed himself with this song and really talking about his emotions mm. in a way that male musicians in that period of time probably weren't supposed to and weren't supposed to do and i think that ties into his book as well is like whatever you might think of the red hot chili peppers he's written a book that completely exposes all his tortured history and everything that he did and all the stuff he knows he did wrong Mm. and i think if you're the kind of band who attracts that kind of audience who's probably not used to hearing people talk about it but might be in a similar situation and that's what like was um read a quote from the book he said um, and so whatever shame, pain or difficulty or discomfort I went through, and this was, he didn't love the book either when he first wrote it. He said, then it was worth it. Cause I got so many people coming up to me saying their kids read it and they got their act together because of it. Bingo. So it's like, yeah, well, you hear it on the, you've got the kids hearing it on the radio. It's popular rock. So it's all over the radio. And then you've got mm. this guy who starts talking about the stuff that they're feeling. And they're like, now this guy that I relate to has gone through similar stuff that I'm in when I'm, you know, addicted to drugs and stuff. And hopefully, you know, like you said, it helps people turn their life around. Well, yeah, I think the perfect time to read that book is as a teenager. That's mm-hmm. when I read it. I read it when I was like 15, 16. And like, yeah, he talks about uh, talks about all the stuff with Halal Slovak, who was the original guitarist of the Chili Peppers, who died of a, yeah. a heroin overdose um, mm-hmm. before, oh, it was probably like six, five or six years before this album came out. Mm-hmm. And then Jack Irons, who was the drummer at the time, who went on to be the original drummer for Pearl Jam, um, he got kicked out of the band after Halel died because he kept doing drugs. And everyone else in the band was like, hey, you got to stop. Mm. And then they kicked him out and then that's when Chad came along. So they like the drugs and like they've obviously all done drugs at yeah. one time and been on and off at different points. But I think when, when Halel died as well, it had... Like you listen to their first two albums, there's no slow, sad songs on those albums. Mm-hmm. He's the guitarist on those albums. So it's like it's a massive turn from... Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Anthony's like songwriting got a lot more emotional after that mm-hmm. stage of his life as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. So what were the other ones that you mentioned? Like, so was it singles or? Because obviously you weren't impacted by singles. Yes, no. So when you listen to the album and you've got it on in the background, when do your ears prick up and you're like, oh, it's this one? Well, 
Give It Away is a massive mm-hmm. one for me. And like that was probably like one of the first music videos I remember like watching <laughs> over and over again as a kid. And they're like out in the desert, pretty yeah. much like dressed up as the Flintstones. Yeah, because like, that a black and white film clip. I know. I'm pretty sure Under the Bridge was. Yeah, Under the thing. Bridge is like it's like a noir film, and it's got like yeah. everything like fading in and out, and they're all like standing in like a city. Yeah, like, it's skyline. It just occurred to me, but now it feels like that might be where some of the Gus Van Sant stuff started coming. I mean, he might have been yeah. directing videos because yeah, it's very much a spacey sort of in his sort of range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, well, I guess a couple of the, if not at least more than two of those videos were black and white and so mm. was the documentary the whole yeah, documentary is yeah. black and white as well so um i feel like you can a lot of the songs on this album you can put into sexual innuendos mm. and um like stories of drug use yeah i feel like that's like the sex the, drugs and rock and roll yeah literally mm-hmm. and it's like i feel like they're the big overarching themes and mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like, give it away, suck my kiss, they fall into the sexual innuendos. And, yeah. Um, But, yeah, give it away is probably... That was probably, yeah, definitely the first music video that I remember, like, watching a Mm -hmm. lot as a kid. And they're obviously, um, like, some more of, like, the rocky funk stuff compared to... um, Like, uh, Power of Equality, If You Had to Ask, um, which Mm -hmm. are, like, more, like the original style okay chili's funk stuff yeah so yeah well, give it away is about like wealth and yeah. greed yeah and it's all about like you know that yeah. not being impressed by material excess like, i can't tell if i'm a kingpin or a pauper yeah, yeah absolutely like... and so um like um the whole like that's doing the punk rock stuff again like calling people out for mm. being, having their excess and mm-hmm. like other people being put down and like and then that being a single their first single that came out preceding the album mm. and, um, and like people had no idea i guess it was just such a funky tune that's mm. the thing i think it hides yeah. it behind like a yeah. really big hooky i think you hide sound and, like, a, and a fist pumping chorus that everyone can sing along to like yeah. you just hear it once and you're like oh i can like let second time in the song i'm gonna be able to sing along to the chorus pretty much me when i was yeah. 13 <laughs> i was just like yep i have to sing along to this one but like until now i've never actually did dive no. into that's right yeah like, I've, I've always just yeah. gone oh this is that song and like i would dance to it and like um, it's got a hook to it and i i know when to stop and i know when to jump and <laughs> all that kind of thing but i've never gone beyond that to what anthony yeah. Peters was writing about it's interesting isn't it because mm. because it, it's quite because it's such high energy yes you know a lot of it, it and, and to your point before, you sort of overlook that mm. the, the meaning of a lot of these songs. Yeah, you know, because of the structure of the songs and stuff, and it's not it's not ballady or anything like that. But there's mm. certainly a big message there behind a lot of it, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was a surprise to know that he had there's any political influences to any of it because I just thought they wrote funky rock songs, mm. <laughs> and then I was just like funky rock songs that I just don't do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some people can't understand the words too, so I think that's no, why. That's the other thing. I think with his yeah. singing, like there is yeah. that. Yeah, you can't, especially when you see him live. It's like you're not really focusing on the lyrics as no, much, yeah. and it's definitely more on the the vibe and the groove. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and I think. He definitely just forgets the words sometimes when he's when he's playing live as well. Yeah. That's when you put lyrics. point the mic at the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think sometimes with lyrics, he'll some of it like he'll be like, "Oh, I've got two really good lines, but I don't know what to put in the third, but I want to hit the rhyme." So he'll just put a few little slightly random words in there. <laughs> yeah. So in like Mellowship Slinky in B major, he says. And I'm like, what is any of, what is any of that, <laughs> that mean? It's just like vocal scouting for him, which is like, you know, not that's if that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. But it's like, yeah, yeah he's either too, a lyrical genius yeah, or yeah. like, and when, like he, when, he, when he can't quite reach the genius level, he doesn't try. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, well, I'm not. That's fine. I'm down here. Or it's on another level, and we're <laughs> just not there yet. And he's that's like it. ahead yeah. of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is kind of like scatting in that, like yeah. with his vocal mm-hmm. style, yeah. and he's referencing like jazz legends like Count Basie, mm-hmm. Wellington, Miles. Mm-hmm. 
gave this Betty Holiday, like to like, name a few, like I didn't even get down for all of them. Mm. Um, but like, there's obviously a jazz influence to what they're doing. Mm. And 100%. they're going to the jazz greats to do yeah. it as yeah. well. Especially when you've got like in B major in the title, like that's a very jazzy thing to say. This yeah, is a song true. and it's in this key if anyone wants to, you know, do along or play along. And is it in B major though? I should have checked. I don't know. <laughs> I should have taken my guitar. I haven't checked that either. I'm definitely I'm a trained person. jazz musician, so I probably Good should have checked off. this. But I didn't. No, how dare you? So, uh, like, you did not do your homework, young exactly, man. Exactly, exactly. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, yes, so there was also the um, haunting intro of the title track of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Mm, yeah, like an old school 70s, like a retro spooky mo- number. Yeah, it yeah, was. It's but- like- it's like a haunted house. It's yeah, like... yeah. And then this is one of the ones we talked about where he changes his voice. So he's got like yeah. low growly vocals. Yeah. he does on the second one too because obviously I knew his vocal style and then that's what he does on the first track. And then the second track, his vocals just sound nothing like I've ever heard before because none of their singles, he doesn't sing like that on any of the singles. All the singles he always sings this way but yeah. he's got like a whole different vocal set that he uses on other songs. Well, I guess you can kind of think of Anthony Kiedis as not a singer. He's he's definitely a vocalist. Yeah, you know, it's like he does he does does all these different things with his voice. It's mm-hmm. like he he raps, yeah, yeah. he yeah. sings, he does the weird voices. Yeah, you know, it's like he hasn't got one shtick and he just does that. You mm. know, it's like he's got all these different things that he does. Whether he does all of those amazingly well could be time. debated. <laughs> um, but like he's he's definitely versatile as a vocalist yeah. and I think that is really cool because like when it's it's almost like using an effects pedal on your voice it's mm-hmm. like he like mm-hmm. like John and Flea get to have these big pedal boards that they can like you listen to like the the phaser on um, Sir Psycho Sexy that Flea's got going it's like it's hypnotic it's like yeah. it's like it's phaser's going in and out of phase yeah. <laughs> and it's like Anthony doesn't have an effects pedal that he can just turn on to, <laughs> to yeah. make like and like John's like guilty of it as well of having like a massive like you can go and watch his YouTube videos of like rig rundowns and they yeah. go through like all of their effects pedals and everything. It's like they have such a big library yeah. of effects that they use. But then like Anthony does that just with his voice. It's yeah. like he can go and he just matches what they're doing, but just with his voice, you know, yeah. that's pretty cool. Sorry, I interrupted you before you were talking about blood sugar sex magic. I have absolutely no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we went on a tangent. Absolutely, that's fine. No, I just wanted to like like call out the um one thing that I found really cool across all of this, which Josh will agree with, is that um the bass is high in the mix. <laughs> yeah. That is very important to me as somebody that played bass. Yeah. It's also, it's not, the, the way Flea's bass is EQ'd as well as it's not EQ'd as like a, a supporting instrument. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. definitely, um, like he, he's got a lot of, like he does have the bass, but it's he's also boosting the highs and the mids. And then like, I think as someone who does a lot of slap bass as well, it's like it, it, it cuts a lot more than... A normal bass player's yeah. like mm-hmm. bass would. It's like it's not like a punk rock bass where it's like sitting down underneath, or like a jazz bass where it's like just supporting everything else that's going on. It's like Flea's not a supporting instrumentalist; no. he's a no. lead instrumentalist. It's like having two lead guitarists. In the yeah, band, yeah. I think he's as responsible for the sound as the guitarist. Whereas most bands, you would say the guitar sound is more of the sound of the band. Whereas yeah. this one, that's two. It's two parts. And it's, it's like it's awesome because in so many bands are really um like victims of their bass just carrying the root notes of yeah. the guitar line. We had that. We have hundred percent. Logic says we have to have a bass, so we've got a bass, but we don't really yeah, care. About we don't really thing, care about it. Yeah. You're playing C, I'll play C. You're yeah, playing yeah. D, well, I'll play D. Yeah. Like that's it, and that's all I do for like the whole bar. Um, and yeah. yeah, and that's where Flea's just like, you know, I'm over here having a party. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm doing this, you adjust. And John, yeah, yeah. John's over there just going, I'm having a different party. And everyone's yeah. going, well, hold on a second, that sounds good. Ch- Chad's just stuck in the middle and he's like, how am I going to link this together? Yeah. He's like, okay, I got the syncopation from Flea and then I've got to just like lay it down for, for yeah. John. Yeah. It's so cool. I, I think the drums are really well recorded as well. Mm. He's a, he's a really so, good, good, really so good like drummer. Player. I'm going to trust you. So, well, meaning, well, I think the thing that struck me going back and listening to this again was the drums and the bass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's in your face. It's yeah. it's it's right there. I think it's really good. I'd say the drums like, do hold everything else together. Yeah, 
Like, I know drummers are supposed to, like, lay the line, but they don't they necessarily... Um, they sometimes deviate a lot more, whereas our Chad over here is like, no, I've got unwieldy people all yeah. around me, and so is... I need to keep them in line. I'm, yeah. the, I'm the sensible one here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You've, you've often got a band which will have one or two, one big piece or two big pieces and one supporting, but this band's got three, guitar, bass, and vocalists, all mm-hmm. doing... Not their own thing, but they're creating their own space, and yes. so you you need a good drummer behind that too. They're all very big together. personalities. Yeah, and then yeah. Chad's the quiet one. Yeah, in the corner. <laughs> it's like even in the interviews and stuff. It's like it's like um, well, John's the quiet one when you're talking yeah. to him, but like on the stage, he's he's got a massive personality. Yeah. But then Chad's just in the corner. But like the way Chad plays, it's it's very intricate. Like if you just listen to the drums when you listen to a Red Hot Chili Peppers song, you'll pick up like he's just playing time. But where he he'll like in between each couple of bars he'll swap around where he like does the hi hats or where he like puts a he's, snare hit or he's something. He's very like hi hat heavy and, yeah. and it's that's his thing. Like he changes that, so it's very cool. And you know what's interesting about what you've all just said is the fact that I think that's why they're really instantly recognisable yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. because there is this bang bang bang, you know, yeah. and it's all coming at you. I've just got a... I've just got this idea though that like Chad sat down. And John comes in, he's like, I've got this idea for a riff. And Chad's like, it's not going to be 4-4, is it? <laughs> and, uh, so he's just like inventing something on the spot, going, oh, 7 roll, yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to make perfect sense. Brilliant, thanks. Good um, things I've been listening to all these jazz drummers all this yeah. time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right, we're about running out of time. Did you have anything else you wanted to cover about the album before we do your final pick? Any songs you haven't covered that you really wanted to talk to or uh, anything else that you... Any live band stories that you want to talk to? Seeing them live? I just wanted to say, which is kind of not in this particular, because I think it was earlier than this, but there was a legendary thing that happened here in Brisbane at Festival Hall. Okay. Where the Chili Peppers played at Festival Hall and they did the, the nude thing with well, the socks. They weren't allowed yeah. to do that in Australia, so they did the floral dress tour. But, but it turned but, it turned into socks on cocks, which yeah, is what right. they did everywhere else. <laughs> where the Australian government said, "No, you're not allowed to wear. You're not allowed well, to be naked on stage." And then they just what they did halfway through this. I've heard stories because my dad was at that concert, yeah. and um, they just tore the dresses off and just right. had socks on the socks on cocks. Because nice. <laughs> I had some mates that were there too, and yeah, so yeah, that no, was pretty awesome. legendary. Yeah, totally cool. All right, did you want to give us your final pitch for why blood sugar <laughs> sex magic? Which I still cannot say off the top of my head. I keep. I think it's because it's four words and the yeah. name is four words. So I keep wanting to go blood red sex. Yeah. Or <laughs> anyway, blood sugar sex magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Your final pitch. I think this album is flawless um, because of uh, not just because of the songs, but because of everyone that contributed to it. Mm-hmm. So you've got all those people that you rattled off at the start, but mainly John, Anthony, Chad, and Flea, um, and then Rick Rubin. Like I think he had a crazy influence on the band that like. Um, he got them together and actually like made them make sense. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool thing about this album is it's got it's got that that raw Chili Peppers from the first couple of albums, and then it's got this new progressive, um, more ballady rock like Under the Bridge, and then the the more funky rock stuff, and then it's got these slower songs like I Could Have Lied and Breaking the Girl. It's mm-hmm. like it's 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 just there's so many different types of songs on this that they then went on to do like just that one type of music in later albums or did that one type of music on earlier albums but this album it's it's like three different styles of red hot chili peppers in one album yeah like and then i i can't as i said before i can't attest to the social impact that it had at the time but like even just hearing it like the the, how it rated on the charts and stuff like that it's like this was a prolific album at the time Mm -hmm. and like i know that that had a big impact on me when i was a kid um, and I, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty amazing album. Awesome. Awesome. George. We're not going to share it. Oh, Jared, did you have any final thoughts or a oh, final no. pitch you wanted not to? Really, it's, 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 it's got, it's a great album. Mm-hmm. It's iconic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, That's the word. My, the one thing for me, I suppose, again, going back and listening to this over is that the singles to me are singles. Mm-hmm. I suppose we've been trained and, you know, they're the ones that are popular. There's a bit samey-samey with a lot of the stuff for me in some of, you know, going through it with, like we said, 17 tracks. Mm-hmm. But um, 
instantly recognisable hot chilli peppers, magic, like, album, spot yeah. on. You know? Nice. Awesome. Cool. So, me. Final thoughts and a thumbs up or a thumbs down for Red Hot Chilli Peppers. Okie doke. So, I knew the singles and have a bit of the background, but mainly from Rock Clumps and the band, let's say, are infamous mm-hmm. for uh, many social stunts that they have done and for their sound. Um, their jazz influence and big band influence are awesome. Um, and so I really enjoyed having that as a mash with rapping and rock and like bringing that into the charts for a change because I'm a massive jazz fan so um, I get a little bit excited when I hear jazz and music. Um, but so I was really looking forward to doing the deep dive for Flawless. Like this is a part of my childhood, right? And um, the kickoff for me though was doing the deep dive, I read the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, this has not held uh, because throughout the songs where we that we haven't spoken about, women are objectified, coerced, boundaries broken, morally sexualized, like in so many, and even down to a coercion of virginity, which I was quite affronted by, thinking that at the time this guy was like thirty and he was writing songs about like if you're hanging around the show, mm-hmm. so you owe me something. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, no, but don't can't let that stand. <laughs> so as a former roadie groupie to bands when I was young, I was thinking, shit, I got out of some good situations there. <laughs> like if bands like this could happily write about it in, in their heyday in the 90s, like what I got away with and looking older and everything, I got away with it. So it made me feel a bit gross. So it's not a flawless album. It's a distinctive and iconic album. Um, and it was interesting to listen to it again as a deep dive. And um, I haven't lost the joy of the singles, um, but I wouldn't listen to the album end to end knowing that um, lyrically Anthony was a bit creepy. Mm-hmm. So that was my deep dive feedback. But mm. yes, but thank you for bringing it. So it actually forced me to listen to it. <laughs> Fair enough. Liam, Hello. final thoughts and a thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah, so like I said, I'd only listened to Californication and I had no memory of it. Um, I I knew Flea and Anthony and John were really good at what they did, but I don't think I knew just how good until you start listening to the album properly. Like you really sit there and like once I heard those first couple of songs and I'm like, I actually got really excited for hearing more. I was like, oh, this song's coming up, but I don't know what it is. Hmm. But it's going to have something cool in it. It's going to have an awesome bass line or a guitar line or this. It's going to have something that I'm really going to love. So listening to it the first few times, I was like, this is really cool. Loving this stuff. It's really great. Um, yeah, big singles were all cool. The problem was it's 17 songs in 74 yeah. minutes. Mm-hmm. And the only albums I can say that are flawless that are that long have almost got to tell a story yeah. from so you you don't get bogged down in the middle of it's a mm. song and it's a song and it's a song Absolutely. and this album obviously isn't like that like yeah. a lot of the singles are filtered through it which is kind of cool because you'll you know you'll only be one or two songs away from a single yeah but by the end when I was listening to it a few times I was just like I wouldn't listen to it all together I almost want like there aren't any songs that I would say these are the ones I definitely get rid of. But I need some kind of algorithm to create a version of the album that's the singles and like five other songs. Yeah. And then next time I listen to it, it's the singles again, but five different songs. So <laughs> all those all those non-single songs I like about the same. So I don't mm. want to say these are the five good ones and everything else gets cut. Mm. So I need some kind of algorithm that can make it like a, a randomly generated version of the album. But I definitely <laughs> that, would, that yeah. would be cool. Yeah, yeah. You I'm sure it's out there. Spotify, Spotify to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So love the singer. Like they're all awesome musicians and so great at what they do. And mm. I definitely listened to this album properly now for the first time. Gave me a greater appreciation, even though I already knew that they were great. It's like mm. really their benefit, their skills. But I wouldn't sit down and listen to the whole album beginning to end again. So I couldn't give it flawless. But we want to thank you for nominating the album. It was really great when you dropped it in. That was really awesome. And we want to thank everyone for listening. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we are Flawless AMP on all of those. So you can join the conversation, share or like our posts, or give us a rating. Every little bit helps us find more music lovers like you. As mentioned, we also have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash flawlessamp. If you'd like to back us, please check that out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm